Schedulicity has done it once again. They, uh, uh, in addition to their $5,000 a month grant that they give to a barber or to a hairstylist, um, they just, uh, they just made it so it's uh, a little bit easier to make some money. Yeah. I mean, they uh, came out with a credit card processing uh, payment system called Schedulicity Pays. It's pretty exciting, right? I mean, like they're offering it, uh, they're offering credit card processing for 1.99% or 10 cents a, a swipe, but... And what's cool about that is that they'll get, even give you a uh, free uh, card reader. That's unheard of, right? Because I know I paid like a bunch of money for mine. Yeah. You know? So they're going to give it to you free and then only charge you 1.99% per, percent with a... Uh, 10 cent a swipe fee, right? Yeah, you can't beat that. You can't beat that at all. Um, and also what's really cool too is it works within your Schedule City app, so you don't even have to leave the app or use a different um, like app outside of outside of the, uh, you know, the, the, the already app, right? Yeah, you just stay in one platform. That's can't it. get easier than that either. I'm like, <laughs> I know, right? And you can uh, manage all your uh, all your papers right through that, right? Yeah, all your inventory and everything. It, you know, all major credit cards are accepted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the best part, which is also what makes Schedulicity incredible, is their their customer service, or as I like to be called, the rock stars. The rock stars. So you still have the love, same. Love the rock stars. The rock stars are are the difference makers in this company, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, and so you still get that uh, that that same service with them. Um, so I mean, literally getting paid just got a little bit better. Yeah. And then for uh, more information, just visit schedulicitycares.com to find out uh, more information on getting paid. Schedulicity Cares. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. And of course, I'm sitting with my best bud, Tony. What's up, man? What's going on, buddy? Uh... So, uh, once again, we have to thank uh, Premier Philadelphia for bringing us out this weekend. Um, we, uh, we've had a really ridiculously crazy, uh, uh, crazily good weekend, right? Yeah, awesome, man, and, and salon-centric for allowing us to do the podcast in the salon-centric uh, VIP room. I know. They've been uh, really kind to us. They've two, been incre- they've two been years incredible. in a row. Two years in a row, they even like uh, let us get a cup of coffee if we want one. So that's really cool. Right, and nice of them as well. And a lot, right. you know, a lot, a lot of times it's kind of quiet in here except for us. What's <laughs> <laughs> making all the noise? Yeah. <laughs> so we appreciate them being uh, just you know just having a, a good attitude toward everything. That it's amazing. So our guest today is uh, is actually an artist that works with uh, with one of our uh, new friends. I just like to say that. Right. <laughs> but uh works for his uh works for his company and it's uh it's definitely a face that um if you've done the hair show circuit, you've seen him you've seen him on the floor and uh seen him at the booth. Yeah, I mean he's an educational director for Sambia. Uh, the, the you know, yeah. It's he I've been watching him for so long. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny because when I first met him in person, I'm like, I felt like I kind of knew him, you know, know what I mean? Right. But it's like, it was kind of weird because I 
it's the first time I'm really meeting you, but I've watched you so much that I feel like I know you. <laughs> I know, right? You know it's what a, I mean? It's actually kind of a weird world that we live in now anyways, right? Like, when you meet people, like, that you've met on social media, that you've talked to on social media, like, immediately, like, like I make the joke, like, we're we're automatically past, like, handshakes, right? We immediately are, are into, like, hugs. Oh, man, hey, man, it's really nice to meet you, you know? Like, in any other time in the world, I think, uh, you know, meeting someone with a hug would be, could be a little little. Yeah, odd, that was right? my perspective. Andrew's, his perspective's like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 true story. So uh, you let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Today our guest is uh, Andrew Carruthers. And, uh, and like you said, he's a, um, he's a director for, uh, for Sam Via. For what? Hold on. Our friend Sam Via. And right. Sam Via's a uh, product line. So uh, should we get in? Yeah, introduce. So Mr. Andrew Carruthers, welcome to your day off. Why, thank you. <laughs> I think we all we all put on our radio voice. Right. <laughs> I think that's just Andrew's voice, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Some days. Some days. <laughs> if it's working correctly. Right. <laughs> Which doesn't always happen, honestly. Yeah, I know, right? Dude, man, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I, I was really stoked to do this. I I have heard, you know, a couple of the podcasts now, and, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy what you guys do. I, I like how personal it becomes, and um, it it feels fresh to me. And especially after I heard Sammy's, I was like, oh, man, I want to be on there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and here we are. Yes. Here we are. <laughs> but, it, but I was being serious about, you know, like I, I felt like I knew you because, you know, I watched all your educational videos. And, it's cool. You know, and, and it's pretty cool to, to actually get to meet you. And it was same same thing with Sam when I first met Sam. It was like, you know, I mean, you kind of, you know, you've watched – you got so many times that it does feel like we know you, but yeah. we appreciate the love. I love that too. You know, as I'm upstairs working at the the booth, a lot of times people people come over and they're like, "Oh my gosh, hey Andrew!" Right. And <laughs> my initial reaction is like, "Hey, you!" <laughs> <laughs> right. Because right. in the back of my head, I'm like, "Okay, they kind of look a little familiar, maybe, and I should maybe know this person, but I have no idea who <laughs> right. they are." And and then they like give me a big hug or something, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I watch all your videos," and and then they kind of step back and they go. I just realized that I'm treating you like someone I've known forever and you have no idea who I am. I'm sorry. I'm bubble. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I love it. I think it's yeah. the coolest thing ever. And it, it, it honestly, it, it's what the big payoff for all the time and energy and, and, you know, even financial investment that we put into this stuff. Um, that's the payoff, you know, when someone comes up and does that. And it, it is so cool that social media and podcasts and YouTube and all that stuff has made it so that like I kind of feel like I kind of knew you guys coming right. into this because I've heard your voices and I kind of heard your personalities and what what a brilliant brilliant part of the the digital world that 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 brings in it's pretty crazy and it, it, it's like it, and it's not about the hugs it's not about the handshakes but it, but it's really nice when when you know that that you've impacted somebody's life even in the smallest way, yeah. right? For, the, for them to even recognize, like, what you've done, that means that you've had some kind of impact. And, and, and like you said, I mean, th- that's the payoff. I know, I know for Tony and I that that's the payoff. Like, like oh, okay, so they're really hearing, you know, they're really hearing us, and that, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm you sure know? you guys get it all the time, people coming up to you and like, oh, my gosh, your podcast, like, you know, it inspires me, and I get so much from it, and mm-hmm. it does. It feels great. A lot of times they'll, they'll close their eyes with, all right, go talk let's make sure it's you right exactly and judge exactly. you by your voice right it's so funny i love it i love that too and they're like oh my god that voice i can't believe the voice i'm hearing that voice not not like in their headphones or not like right. in their car but that's and um, this weekend what's been amazing uh you know when he said 
the the response that you get from people watching your videos and, and, and how that makes you feel. Everybody we we interviewed so far this weekend, um, you know, they don't. A lot of people don't realize how much effort and love and and resources go into creating a lot of this content, mm-hmm. and uh, and so when someone does approach you and they really truly appreciate it and you have impacted their lives, uh, it, it, not that it's, it's it's gratifying, but it's you know that's why you know a lot of people do what they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it is to help others, and and it's just it's beautiful. You know what I mean? It's not really necessarily a selfish reason. It's it's really to try to lift others up. Sure. I, I thought you guys were doing it because you're like making hundreds of thousands of dollars per podcast. No, I'm spending <laughs> hundreds of thousands. <laughs> That's more accurate. Yeah, my, my wife's like, huh? Yeah. What's this uh, road mixing console on the credit card yeah. for? Um, exactly. You guys really need that? Can't you just use your iPhone? Exactly. <laughs> Completely. That's awesome. so, so, Andrew, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I actually grew up not far from here. I, I grew up in a town called York, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Um, so real close to here, about an hour and a half away. I, Aren't they known for their dumbbells? Yes, York dumbbell, York air conditioners. Um, it, York was, York's a crazy town because it's a really typical story of kind of the East and Midwest right now, which is tons of industry you know, lots of uh, manufacturing. And then as things move overseas, the town starts to shut down, crime comes in, things get rough. So York is a tiny little town that's got big problems. It, mm-hmm. it was getting pretty rough around the edges. I saw a guy got shot like out of my sister's window one night. You know, it, wow. it, it, it got tough. And so that was part of my motivation to leave and to move to Utah. Um, and actually, I, I just told this story to a, a, a lady that earlier today. Um, just everything in my life had, had seemed to start to come to this point of, okay, this is the end of this chapter. You know, the girl that I dated all through high school, we broke up. And then the job that I had, well, that went away. I went to college for a season, or um, a season. <laughs> what am I playing, basketball? <laughs> <laughs> but I went for a semester and a half, and about halfway through the second semester, I realized that I don't get to just study the stuff I want to study. Like, I was obsessed with philosophy and theology, and so all I wanted to take was philosophy and theology. And, of course, the guidance counselor is like, well, no, you have to take this math class. Oh, you have to take the science class. And I'm like... Where's the theology in that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, okay, this isn't working either. So it just kind of came to this point of staying here isn't going to get me to where I need to go. And so my sister had moved to Salt Lake City about a year and a half before that. And after visiting there a couple times, I had made some friends out there. So it was as far away as I could get from home and still have friends. Because right. I'm a total mama's boy. I, I love my mom. And we have a <laughs> freaking amazing relationship. And I, I lived in her house at the time. And I knew that if I just like moved to Philly or moved to Baltimore or something where I could get in the car and run home to mom, I, I would have. You would have. Yeah, right. like, you know, shit would have got hard. And I would have needed my, you know, 
like my laundry done or something. <laughs> you know? Like I don't have enough coins for the laundromat, mom. I'm coming home. No, no. You know, bring them underwear. Yeah. So I knew I had to pack up my Volkswagen Scirocco to the gills and get far away enough that it was going to cost me money to get home. Right. Right. And Salt Lake was the place, but you know, I had no savings. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had a couple friends. And so I packed up the car, headed to Salt Lake City best thing I've ever done because I am who I am and what I do because of that move. Right. And then three and a half years ago, my wife and I fell in love with this area in Southern Oregon. Uh, it's called Talent. It's right between two towns called Medford and Ashland. Those are kind of the bigger two. Those, those, two are, those are the big ones. Yeah, that's the <laughs> thing. Like, talent, I think we, we have like 30 or 40,000 people total. Right. Like, Maybe not even that many. I'm probably exaggerating, honestly. It's I'm probably sure you can count next that. time you're there. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> okay, there's four people in talent. <laughs> but um, we love it. We, uh, we have, live on seven acres of land up on this corner of this, this wow. hillside. So we have like a 270-degree view of the valley, and we back up to just forest. It's wow. incredible. Like something we could have never had in Utah. I mean, we would have had to live in the middle of nowhere, Utah, to, to find that. And I, you know, I have an airport that's a 15-minute drive away. It's an itty-bitty airport. It's a commuter, you know. Like, <laughs> um, we just finally got real jets coming in, oh, which is awesome. That's kind of a nice ben- bonus. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just killer. I'm, I'm living the country life now. Kind of dig that, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see it, but you got you have to post a picture when we release the podcast. Okay, of, I will. of your view of uh of, of the valley. Yeah, definitely. I'll send dope. you one. That's cool. So, how'd you find uh, how'd you find hairdressing, and when did that intersect in your life? My sister was a hairdresser, and she, like, I I never had this thought of, oh my gosh, I really want to be a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Really, what it was is I would see her go to work, she would hang out with what seemed like friends of hers. And then they would hand her money. <laughs> like, okay, that looks like that a cool job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. But I, I was working in the music industry. I, I was actually apprenticing at a recording studio. It was really cool because Bruce, the guy that owned the studio, he would let me take uh, late nights and weekends to record my own band. So I was recording like straight edge hardcore brand, bands on the weekends at the stu- studio. And um, I also worked for a... Uh, live sound company called Mammoth Sound and oh my gosh the first job I ever did for these guys it was a rave and I had no idea I really you know I'd heard the word rave I knew that like you know hippies danced to jungle music or whatever but like I didn't really understand what a rave was and so um, I'm like okay where is it Mark and he's like I don't know. They won't tell us where it's at until about two hours beforehand. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, okay. So I'm, I'm sitting at our shop. I have this, you know, van full of, you know, $50,000 worth of sound equipment. <laughs> and we get this message. And it's a hand-drawn map that takes you out into the salt flats of, of Utah. And I'm like, really? I'm, I'm doing this, huh? He's like, oh, yeah, it's all you. <laughs> so You're the young one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like driving out through the middle of nowhere salt flats with, like I said, like a ton of really nice sound equipment in the van. Just like, <laughs> just like falling over in the back of the van. And I just get to this place and there's just a guy standing out in the freaking desert. And I'm like, is this That's the, Is that the guy? Yeah. And he had, you know, probably 20 massive generators lined up. So we set up the sound system. This is, by the way, this is like 1030 at night, 
that, and I'm just setting up the sound system oh at 10 30 at night. And I'm like, where is everyone? And he's like, well, no one shows up till like two o'clock in the morning. So we get the sound system all set up and he, you know, starts the first DJ at, I think like midnight or so. And I'm like, okay, so the DJs just play music, right? I'm done. Right. And so I go in the van and just like go to sleep. And then I wake up at 6.30 in the morning. He's knocking on the window of the van. He's like, okay, we're done. And so 6.30, I pack up the van and drive home. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. He's, he's like an Uber for uh, audio equipment. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. But, yeah, I, I loved the music industry, but I also realized that that, it, that example was exactly what my life was going to be if I worked in the music industry. You know, because even re- working in the recording studio, of course, you know, you, you get paid by the day. And so the band wants to get there at seven o'clock in the morning and they don't want to go home till seven o'clock in the morning right. because they're paying by the day. And I, I just knew that like I'm, I have such a passion for music that it was going to destroy music for me, actually, because I was starting even after like six months of doing this. I was already I, I would get in the car and I'd turn my radio off. Usually I'd get in my car and like put on my favorite CD and rock right. out to it. Right. right. And so this is leading back to my sister, Tyra. Like I said, I would, I would see that she seemed to have a good time with her clients. They, she made good money. She seemed to have a pretty flexible job, too. Like if she wanted to go on vacation, she just marked out her books and went on vacation. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe this is a better option. Maybe this is something I could do. It's still kind of artistic. I can make a living and still be in my band, you know, and go tour with the band. And I was able to apprentice in, in Utah. You can apprentice instead of going to hair school. So I found these two guys that had the really cool salon in Salt Lake and started (laughs) apprenticing for them. And the first day that I worked there, Tyson was like, okay, you're going to learn how to shampoo hair. And I was kind of like, wait, I thought I, thought I was here to learn to be a hairdresser. And he was like, yeah, the shampoo is like the most important part, dude. Like th- we're going to spend two weeks on shampooing hair. I was like, okay. And I, I, you know, I went home and I'm like, is this really what I want to do? <laughs> but the next day, um, Tyson and David were kind of the cool hip hairdressers in town. And so they had all like the models and stuff. Sure. And so this gorgeous girl walks through the front door sits back, I shampoo her hair, and she's like, you know, you know, like having the best time. And then she tipped me, and I was like, cool. All right, this job rules, actually. (laughs) I am totally fine with this. But what was really awesome about that opportunity is is Tyson was one of the regional, I think his title was like regional artistic or regional education director for TG and Tony Guy. And so it was a really immediate connection to what the potential in our industry was. And we went to the TG world release, I think within maybe three or four months of me working there and walking into that thing and seeing basically a three day, three day rock concert on steroids for hairdressers. I was like, I'm in cool. This is amazing. Like what an incredible industry. And so I, I was hooked pretty fast. Did you, when you walked into that show, did you see yourself on the stage? I mean, with your rock and roll history and stuff? I really did. Yeah. I mean, uh, especially when I saw, um, I specifically remember seeing James Morrison. Mm -hmm. That was the guy that when I first saw him on stage, I was like, 
I want to be that dude because he was so classy and like well-spoken, but he still had this like kind of cool rock and roll edge to him. And I'm like, dude, that's the guy I want to be. And yeah, it, it was super inspiring, but yes, to your question, I, I knew that's what I wanted. Just tasted it and felt it. That was, yeah, that was it. That's pretty cool, man. So what instrument did you play? Um, I've always been a bass player in the bands that I play in. I, I have guitars and drums and stuff at the house that I, I like to... Well, I don't have drums. I, I actually have a cajon that I built. Do you know what a cajon is? No. It's it's this really cool... You can get plans on the internet and actually build one yourself, but it's this really rad... It's It basically looks like a square stool, and you sit on it, oh, yeah, and you I've build seen out those. the upper yeah. portion of it as a snare drum, and then the lower portion is your 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 kick drum. And so you actually put snares in at the top where it's kind of tighter, the wood's tighter. And then at the bottom, when you hit it, it's like super deep and resonant. So you just kind of like sit back on the, the yeah. drums and just, just play it. It's so fun. That is awesome. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 I kind of like to like mess around with anything, honestly. I just bought myself um, a couple of years ago. I bought a uh, steel guitar. Oh, dude. That's my jam. Right. That's your jam. Yeah, like have a couple whiskeys on the couch and sit back and just, <laughs> you know, just like That's play some so blues. Cool. Oh yeah, god, it's so sweet. <laughs> love the blues. Yeah. yeah, me too. The uh, I heard uh, there's a little rumor that you uh, you enjoy uh, riding as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm motorcycles ashamed. or horses. Cycles, motorcycles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. I'm ashamed to say it. I actually haven't had a bike for the last year. My wife, you know, she she still has her bike. <laughs> <laughs> Does she tease you? Oh, she's yeah. Like, wah, wah. yeah, she'll <laughs> let me borrow it once in a while, but she she reminds me that it's her bike. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've actually i've I've toured quite a bit. I've um, I've got three friends, Dan, Brandon, and Vic, back in Salt Lake City. That we've done a ton of touring together. We actually did the ride from Salt Lake all the way to Fairbanks, Alaska, and back. Whoa, really? Yeah, it was. Um, took us 21 days. We we rode 9,000 and some odd miles in 21 days. Um, it was on a motorcycle. Incredible. It was intense, man. It it was like some of the best moments in my life, and some of the honestly like most scary i think i'm just on the edge of dying right now moments too we we were we were in fairbanks and we were going going to go down to um, anchorage and to go through there you go through denali state park and we were super stoked because denali is incredible but we we got to denali and just the the sky turned just jet black like no light at all and just this storm opened up that i haven't I've, I've never quite experienced rain and wind on that level, oh much less on a motorcycle. Right. But Denali, the, the Denali Highway that goes through there is a skinny two-lane road with very little edge on the, on the sides of it. So once you're moving, it's like there's not really a place to pull off here. Right. So you, go. you just kind of keep cranking. So we were, I mean, just totally white knuckle and sideways for about an hour and a half. Finally, we got to this little gas station, pulled off, and there was probably 50 motorcycles in there, and all of them were inside the gas station. And the gas, the guy that owned the gas station was so nice. He was, like, giving everyone coffee and stuff, and everyone's like, taking off their rain gear and laying it on the heaters to, to try and dry out and stuff. And so finally, a, a couple people that we had talked to coming up from Anchorage, they're like, it's, it's like this the whole way to Anchorage. So we abandoned the idea to go to Anchorage. And so we turned back around 
and we start heading back towards Fairbanks, where the, s- the sky is clear. Right. <laughs> I, I just did quotation marks just so you know. <laughs> um, And so we start heading north again. Come out of Denali, and it's like the skies open up, and it's blue skies, and everything's great. So I pull over, take my rain gear off, and about 20 minutes later, we round this corner, and all of a sudden, the sky's black oh. again, like oh the direction of Fairbanks. So we pull off to put our rain gear back on, and we, we had pulled off just in this tiny little town. There's like five buildings, and there's this, this one just huge awning. It almost looked like something you would park, like a huge RV underneath or something. Right. So we pull under there, start putting our rain gear back on, and hail starts coming down the size of golf balls, just like, oh, oh just crazy. Oh my Luckily, gosh. we were underneath this awning, because if we were on the bikes, that would have hurt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, rain hurts at 55 miles per hour, so, right, you know, imagine, right? hail, I don't even know what would have happened. Right. <laughs> so, um, do you guys mind if I tell this story? Like, no, oh, please, go ahead, so, um, this was my favorite of the whole trip. And so we're in this place and, you know, it's just, again, like the sky opens up on us and just like dumps and just, we're like, oh my gosh, man. So there was a tiny little restaurant there called this Clear Skies Lodge. We go into the Clear Skies Lodge and we are watching the TV. He has the weather on and it just, you can see that it's just getting worse towards Fairbanks. Wow. We're just like, okay, well, we'll just sit it out and hope that things change. And so we sit and have a beer or two, have a little food, and it's just not changing, man. It's just getting worse and worse. And so we're talking to the owner of the Clear Skies Lodge, and we're like, what well, are is we... There, is there, is there um, it, it, Clear Skies? I mean, just... Yeah. <laughs> seems so... Ironic, yes. Ironic, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Looking for the Clear Sky at the Clear Sky. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so the owner? So, so the owner's like, we're, we're like, is there a place to stay? And he's like, not really. He's like, honestly, if you guys want, if you got, you know, tents and stuff, he's like, you could even, you know, just throw your, your sleeping bags on the, the back, back room floor if you want. And we were like, yeah, cool. And then he's, he kind of grins and he goes, or uh, <laughs> you could stay with the Rochesters. And we're like, okay, well, first off, why'd you just laugh? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, no, 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 don't get me wrong. The Rochesters are nice enough people, but... uh it's a little like staying with the Adams family. What? And we're like, okay, now we have to go right. stay with the Rochester's. <laughs> like, we have to go see this. How many of you guys are there? Four of us. Right. Yeah. And so he calls across the street and he, he checks and he's like, yep, Rochester's have a room. You guys can head over there. So we, we ride. It's just literally right across the street. So we ride across the street and then we went to, around to the back of the house and we, we had this thing where... Um, we just had a deal where we would rotate, like one person would pay for the room each night. So it was not like we're trying to split it up four ways. Right. So it was Dan's turn. So Dan and Vic get off their bikes and they go in the back door. And, and Brandon and I just stayed out because we're like, well, we're already soaking wet. Might as well just sit in the rain and wait for them. And then we'll go park. Five minutes goes by. Ten minutes goes by. And we're like looking at each other. Okay, we need to go and see what the hell's going on. <laughs> So we walk in the back door, and you, you enter into the kitchen. And there's one light on over top of the stove, and it's kind of on the opposite end of the room. And Dan and Vic are talking to Vixie Rochester was his name. Vixie? Vixie with a V, like Victor. <laughs> so Vixie Rochester and Dan and, and, and Vic are over standing by the stove talking. 
And I look to the left and there's a living room. And the living room's pretty dark as well. There's one little lamp on in the corner and there's this guy that looks like he's about 150 years old sitting in a, a chair, like a lounge chair, head to toe in camouflage playing one of those little video poker machines. <laughs> And then next to him is this other lady with like this big blonde, boofy hair. And she's sitting on the couch pet- petting this, um, this German shepherd. And then I look and I look at the wall and there is taxidermy covering every square inch of one of the walls. And then I look at the coffee table and there's a little kitty on the coffee table on its back playing with a ball of yarn, taxidermied. Oh. Then... I look back at the couch and I realize that the German shepherd that this woman is petting is taxidermied in its favorite position on the couch. Like it even had a leg kind of hanging over the side of the couch. I mean, he had taxidermied this dog into its favorite position. (laughs) And so Brandon and I are looking at each other like, okay, now I'm actually getting a little creeped out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they were brave 10 minutes ago, weren't they? (laughs) And so we we walk over to Dan and Vic and we're like, are we getting a room? And and they were just kind of wrapping things up. And and so Vixie's like, all right, you guys are in building B. And he points out the window and there's like this two-story tough shed out back, like literally a tough shed. And he's like, you guys can just go inside and go up to the, to the top, and you can pick any room up there. There's a couple that are open. And we're like, okay, then do we, like, come back and get the keys? And he lets out this, like, <laughs> he's like, keys? We ain't got no keys around here. Keys get lost. <laughs> <laughs> so we pull our bikes around to Building B, park in the mud, we, we open the, the door to building B and we go in and the first door in front of us is kind of partially open and I kind of like push the door open and there's a bed in there and I'm, I wish I was making this up but I'm not. There was a TV on it and all that was on was static and it was like turned up so loud so it was just a TV in an empty room. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And all of us were just like, this is honestly getting really creepy. So we go upstairs, find a room, and we actually took one of the beds and like pushed it against the door (laughs) and and all slept with our knives underneath our pillows. We were up at like the crack of dawn, which at this point it's June in Alaska. You know, sun came up at like 3.30. We were on our bikes. No way. Wow. Holy cow, man. I'm glad to see you made it. I'm glad to see that you're not taxidermied at the, uh, yeah. at the Rochester. <laughs> right, you look at the wall and like, oh, there's Andrew. There's, there's actually, Brian, you know what? Right? Yeah. <laughs> he never said if the guy that was 150 years old was actually alive. Or was I, he just 150 years old? He might have been, honestly. <laughs> we, did, we did actually talk to a guy on the ferry a couple of days later that had stayed there as well. He's like, oh, did you guys see the trophy room? We're like, oh, you mean the living room where like the dog and the cat were taxidermied? He's like, no, that, that house is an old church. The actual congregation room is the taxidermy room. There's like bison and there's a brown bear. And he's like, I had to sleep on a cot in the trophy room. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Holy cow. <You> man. <laughs> That's scary. What if I get a room on there on like hotels.com? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Dot com. <laughs> We don't have hotel. They get lost. Yeah. Uh, what a great that, story. I know. That's crazy. Yeah. Sorry to depart a little from the no, hair, no, no, hair okay. topic, but it's just one of my favorite stories. Uh, 
It's Dude, such good that's memories. awesome. That's yeah. really, really cool. Now I want to actually. I want to. I want to go to the Rochester's. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go to Rochester's. <laughs> I want to go to Anch- uh, Anchorage or uh, Fairbanks uh, on a on a motorcycle. motorcycle. Yeah. That'd be pretty yeah. rad, wouldn't it? It's an incredible ride. It's it's a hard ride for sure because there's you know you get to a point where there's very little in between towns. You know you you start to get even a you know I had a pretty big touring bike with a five and a half gallon tank on it. And even for me, there was times where I was getting pretty nervous that we weren't going to get to the next town and get gas. So I, I think it's even different now because this was back in 2006 or seven. I think that we did that. But um, yeah, it was incredible, though. I, if you could ever do it, I, I would highly suggest it, actually. Yeah, my wife won't let me. No. Yeah. <laughs> His wife won't let me either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. So how did you um, how did you kind of find your love for uh, like education or actually, I mean, did you work in a salon and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I worked at the first salon that I worked at with was was Tyson Salon. It's a salon called Studio Salon. Um, I worked there for a little over three years. But I had in during that three years, I had met Sean Trujillo and Angie Katsanavis, who own and founded Lunatic Fringe Salons. And they had just opened their own salon. In Salt Lake? Yeah, in Salt Lake City. Just real recently, they had opened the first Lunatic Fringe. And I've only had this experience with, you know, maybe about four or five people in my life. But, you know, you just, when you meet someone and you just instantly know that, yeah, I'm supposed to hang out with these people. Like, they're good people. And that's I what I felt like when I met Tony. Yeah. Like, th- that's my dude forever. Your mom didn't think so, though. No, no, she didn't like you. Yeah. Oh, yeah? <laughs> she did. No. You're a bad she influence. Ex- yeah. That's, another, that's a whole other story, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that one over beer some night. <laughs> yeah. She, she thought that was a, that he was a Rochester. Yeah. I, you know, I, as soon as I met Sean and Angie, I kind of knew. And, and things were kind of a little rocky with Tyson and I, and, you know, and, he'll maybe hear this podcast and he would agree you know we're we're good friends now and and we've made our amends but you know we were having a tough time back then he he wasn't I don't think that Tyson's natural place was to be a manager of people and so you you know he had a hard time managing his frustrations with that and I had a hard time you know I was young and just kind of a punk ass kid and so I had an attitude of course Mm -hmm. too like after like you know, six months of being an apprentice, I think I know what I'm doing. And so I'm sure I wasn't easy to work with either, but. And I'm sure he'd say that too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And so going and working for Sean and Angie at Lunatic Fringe was a nice transition and it was a nice fresh start. It's also what connected me with Paul Mitchell, the school. And so that was, I, I was working, the great thing too with working with Tyson is I had an opportunity to start being an educator before I even had a hair license. So while I was still apprenticing, I was going out and teaching product knowledge classes for TG. And I can, I can still remember my very first product knowledge class because in that moment, I knew that as scared as I was, I was freaking out. I was so terrified at that class. But I knew in my heart, I was like, this is something I want to do. I have to be a teacher. And so got a little bit of that experience with Tyson. Then when I started to work with Sean and Angie, I tried to keep my relationship with TG. But because Tyson was that bridge with TG, that didn't last too long. So with Paul Mitchell? No, with TG at that point. Okay. But were you... 
were you licensed yet when you went to, with uh yes so I, had, French? I, I so basically what i had to do is i kind of had to get my license so that i could leave tyson's it, right. that that was that things got really awkward too because I started to sort of put the gas on to get my license all taken care of, and I didn't quite tell him yet what the intent behind that was, and so it got <laughs> kind of weird. But, yeah, I got my license, went over and started working for Sean and Angie at Lunatic, and one of the guys that worked there, Dennis James, who became one of my biggest mentors in my life, he was helping to build up Palm Angela School, and he needed to build a team of educators to go out and start training these schools mm -hmm. on the cutting system and and you know how to be a presenter and a teacher and all those things so so paul mitchell the school is that like a foundation school or is that or was that advanced techniques and stuff so it started as just a foundation school uh -huh. and then our group the paul mitchell advanced academy we actually did start to offer advanced academies for professionals too okay how and long how long ago was that how long ago did they launch their schools I want to I want to say that the first official Palm Beach of the school, which is kind of in Provo, Utah. I mean, well, that school opened as a. It was called Von Curtis Academy, and when Clayball had opened that, I okay. I actually don't know when that opened because it was quite mm -hmm. a bit quite a bit before my time with around them. But then they opened the Costa Mesa school. I want to say maybe around like two thousand two, two thousand three seems about right. And that was kind of the first official Paul Mitchell of the school. Got it. But, I mean, within, within the time that I started with him, which was around that, like, 2003 time until the time that I left, that was, like, 2007, 2008, it went from, like, six or eight schools to, like, 100. Right. It was crazy. So do you know the Risers? Yeah. Like, have the Temple oh, School yeah. in, in Frederick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually who we're working with next year with uh, with uh, when, we, when we do our Presley Poe event. There. That's so cool. They're, yeah. they're such awesome people agreed we could 100 you know they 100 yeah sharon and um sharon and, well but just i'll give the shout out to sharon i mean she she was she's been incredible um with helping us with the podcast and helping us with those events there and um that's what i mean we feel shout out charles too yeah 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 no well yeah. i mean just sharon's like our our, our go-to right yeah because <laughs> if you go to charles he goes talk to sharon yeah <laughs> <laughs> like any good husband would right yeah <laughs> right that's pretty much how it's always been <laughs> by her she says yes okay you're yeah. good a <laughs> hundred you're smart charles oh, yeah a hundred percent on that um so it's cool. So you knew you wanted to get into education early. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, like I said, it was immediate. Did you know that your path, did you know that your path to that rock star stage was going to be through education? Was that the motivator or was it something else that grabbed you? I, hmm, that's a good question, honestly. I think I'd be lying if I, I, I didn't admit that there was definitely some ego to, to that, you know, seeing the rock star up on stage and just kind of wanting to be a rock star. That was, that was part of my goals as a human being, as a child, you know, as a musician is sure. I wanted to be on stage entertaining people. I mean, you didn't pick up the guitar for any other reason, really. I mean, and not you, but one doesn't pick up a guitar and, and, and not kind of think that. I know? think for the most part, yeah, if you're going to learn to play an instrument, you do it with the mindset that you're doing it to be in a band, to be on stage in front of people. Right. I, I think for the most part. So... There was definitely a part of me that, yes, it was, I was thinking, like, yeah, I want to be up there as the rock star hairdresser. Uh -huh. And I, I did try to kind of get to that place through even photography. 
you know, doing photo shoots and things like that. So I would enter into the, like the TG Photographic Awards and, and do those right. types of things. And I don't think that I quite understood at that point in my life that earning the right was going to be the path to that point. I didn't, I didn't, don't think I realized that just doing product knowledge classes and teaching at hair schools and, you know, kind of working the, tr the quote unquote trenches a bit was going to be the path to being on stage. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the first things that I talk to people about now when they ask me, how do I do what you do? Or how do I become Sandia? I was like, you go volunteer to hair school tomorrow. That's how you become Sandia. Because that's the first step. Mm -hmm. you, you don't just jump on stage. And in fact, I've even talked to some of the influencers that are getting that opportunity. They are skipping the step of, I taught in a hair school for five years. I did product knowledge classes for 10 years for Redken, and I finally got my shot to be on the artistic team. Like, they've been able to skip some of those steps. And I'll, I'll be really honest, there was a part of me when this first started to happen that it it kind of hurt my soul a little bit to see that happen sure and please you know if you're, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people that have those opportunities know that I, I i don't still harbor those feelings but it that was my gut reaction because we always and in some ways it was almost this um this source of pride a, a weird source of pride like oh yeah man I, I i went through the trenches i dug through the trenches to right. get here and I, I've, I've lost a little bit of that attitude because I, I realize that's not the, the path to success for everyone. Right. And, but I've, I've talked to some of the people recently that have had those opportunities to skip those steps, and they've been very open with the fact that that's really scary. And yeah. so when I talk to people, I'm like, yeah, there is a pathway that doesn't involve paying those dues, but I think that that's very few very far between mm -hmm. and number two the people that do have those opportunities the first time they get thrown on a big huge stage in front of a couple thousand people and they've not even taught a class in a hair school imagine the the brown spot in the right. <laughs> that's sort of like life right i mean I, really you talked about life you have some people who grew up in uh and you know an affluent home you have people some people grow up in a middle class and you got some people who grow up in in the hood or the or, or a bad neighborhood or, or the ghetto or whatever you want to call it right mm -hmm. um and so they're all going to uh say point a right it's going to be easier for some to get there mm -hmm. it's going to be a little harder for others but the guys who grew at the bottom when they get there there's very very few things that are going to shake them Yes. You know what I mean? So they're going to have a, a certain demeanor and calmness or things that aren't going to, to necessarily uh, spook them that it, w that it was going to spook the other two. Uh, so that, to me, that's just life. So people like yourself who goes through the, the harder uh, path to get to where you're going, you're, you're just better prepared. You're just, you know what I mean? You're, you have a certain calmness, a certain uh, just something inside you that, you know what I mean, that come across so confident but it's so natural right and 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 you know what i mean it's just we appreciate it you know what i mean you, people can see that they can relate to it and uh and, and just feel that from you so well, thank you, know, you i appreciate that yeah he's got, he's got like a tool bag filled with experience yeah yeah right? exactly you know what i mean and and so uh certain people can only reach and talk to some you know what i mean you can probably reach and talk to most yeah. because because you've done all those things you know what i mean 
and just even as you were talking, the thing that was kind of coming to me and and thank you for this because I, I think I just had a realization about this. The reason that I think that I can do that, because you wouldn't have felt that way if you saw me teach in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that I'm able That's to... That's when he had his brown spot. <laughs> yes, quite a few of them. Um, mine were probably like green, honestly, at that point. Like, they were that bad. But the reason I can now stand in front of an audience, you know, like even that salon centric thing last night, it's only the second time I've ever done like a moderation for a panel. I, I don't do that. That's not what I do. But the, the reason I'm able to do that and to be able to stay present and be myself is because all of those years scrubbed off the other stuff, which right. is mm. the fears of, Oh my gosh, what's everyone in the crowd thinking? Uh, wait, did I just stumble over my words? Oh, crap, I just totally botched that beginning. What do I do now? You know, like all those things are experiences that I've, I've had in a class. I've had to figure out how to deal with them. Or I fell on my face, and then I got coaching from my mentors, or I went back. And I still, to this day, when I get on the plane tonight, I'll, I'll do my list of what worked and what didn't. Get out, really? Oh, absolutely. Man. And that, like, every weekend you do that because you're on the road a lot. Absolutely. Like every class I look back, and our team has a debrief process. It's part of our culture as at Sanvia that we have, a, up, we have an upload in the morning and we have a debrief at night. And everyone goes through and they say, okay, this is what worked today. What can we do tomorrow that makes it even greater? And that's just part of our culture, and it's part of one of the things that Sam has taught me is you're, you're always in that process of looking at, okay, what worked and what didn't. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be bad. It's just how do you keep putting one foot in front of the other? And through that process, what I just realized from listening to you is I think that has scrubbed off all the edges in a right. way. And so when I do get to stand on a, a stage now, a lot of those things, like, it's, don't get me wrong, it still goes through my head. You know, if I, I throw out a, a stupid joke and it doesn't land and I look out in the audience. Oh, I do that to, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it still kind of hurts a little bit. You know, like, when you look at an audience of 150 people with blank stares, like, you got to real quick, like, say, okay, shut up, ego, keep moving. You know, but the more often that you do it, the easier it is to recover and can continue and, and just show your true self up there. And so that that was a cool realization. Just well, then. you Thank brought you. you just brought up Sam Via. So so uh, before we got onto this, uh, we were at Paul Mitchell. So how did you get from Paul Mitchell to Sam Via? So I worked with Paul Mitchell for I believe it was like five or six years, and it I I was kind of hitting a place in my career that I think I was just in burnout. I was traveling too much, still trying to maintain a full-time clientele behind the chair. And when I say full-time, I'm talking like 55-hour kind of work weeks, you know, 10-hour 10 hour days, four days a week, and then plus a, you know, an eight- or nine-hour day on a Saturday or something. Right. And then get on a plane on Saturday evening, show up somewhere, teach Sunday morning, get back on the plane Monday night, and get home and do clients the next day. Oh. And that doesn't, you can't do that for too long you can do it for a little while especially when you're in your 20s and probably drink all night and do all that kind of crazy stuff too so i, I hit burn at burnout um, i i became a part owner in one of our salons which was that's the way to cure burnout there andrew it's, <laughs> it's the way to do something dude <laughs> Let me the way to, on a salon onto this. <laughs> well, it was I. So I resigned from Paul Mitchell. 
and and I and then I bought into the salon because I was kind of thinking, okay, if I become a salon owner, I can back off on my days in the salon. I can switch the way that I'm working with my clients, and none of that worked. I was <laughs> I was not a good salon owner. I I think my my employees would say differently of me, and I I love them for it, but I don't think that I, I think I'm pretty good at. Uh, covering up what's actually happening inside mm -hmm. me. I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at being a duck where on top of the water, smooth sailing and underneath the, the, the feet are going, <laughs> <don't know. laughs> so um, I, I started to plan to make that transition again, where it was like, okay, I, I shouldn't be a salon owner. I had an awesome manager, Allie, her and her husband had been wanting to be salon owners. So started to kind of talk to her about possibly buying the salon. And about a, a year before that, I had started to kind of put out the, the vibes that like, I think I want to be a teacher again. I'm, I really miss teaching. I want a new opportunity for teaching. And my good friend, Geneva Cowan, um, she, she lives in Anchorage, Alaska. She was also a Redken artist. And she was, you know, a good kind of right hand to Sam at that point. And right at that point, um, Sam was starting to really explode with, as his own independent brand as well. She's like, hey, I, I really think you need to meet Sam because you guys have very similar values. I think you'll get along super well. And he needs someone specifically for his brand. And Sam, you know, he was really smart about that because he was like, you know, if I bring someone in from Redken, it's going to be an extension of Redken. If, the, if there's too much Redken brought into my own brand, not, not that he was trying to not have Redken as part of his brand, but it was like... No, but you still have to be an individual. You still have to stand out on your own. Exactly. Right. Yeah, he wanted to, you know, have his own voice on his side. So she was like, hey, you came from a different place, so this might be a great opportunity to, for him. And they invited me out to a photo shoot they were doing in New York. And again, one of those moments of just dude yeah i love you, <laughs> you yeah, right. just, we've all felt that right just this instant love for him and you know from his report he felt the same with me just you know really comfortable and solid and within that weekend we actually got snowed in that weekend everyone's flights got to, you know delayed and mine actually got completely canceled so sam calls me up and he's like hey i'm at the bar across the street from the hotel come down and have a beer with me so i go down and he's like all right so uh how would you feel about coming and being on my stage in Chicago in a couple weeks? I was like, are you serious, man? He's like, yeah. I, he's like, I have a really good feeling. He's like, just let's, let's call this a test run. You know, nothing serious. If you don't like it or I don't like it, no problem. We'll go our separate ways. But by the end of Chicago ABS, it was like, yes, like this is family. <laughs> this is We're yeah. meant to be together. And so, yeah, that, that's how it happened. So there's so much like, listen, every single um, interaction I've had with Sam over the years, or I guess all of us can kind of say, I mean, Sam's just an incredible dude to be around. His mm -hmm. presence is incredible. Um, his, his respect for the industry is, is incredible. But has he ever had to have, like, that tough conversation with you, or what does a, a Sam be a tough conversation sound or feel like? Hmm. Well, we, we actually haven't had a lot of that, to uh -huh. be honest with you. I've... I can tell you what I've seen it look like. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> has, has your parent ever said, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed to you? Oh. 
that's what it looks like. Yeah. I could kind of see that. Could you guys see that? Oh, yeah, because you don't want to disappoint no. Mr. Sam V. Like, I don't want to disappoint. I don't work for him. Yeah. You know? Can I, can I tell you the honest truth? And, and I, th- I think you'd be completely fine with me sharing this with you. It, there's been a few times that it's gone the other way. It, there's been a tough conversation from me to him. You really? Know? And, and that's what I absolutely love about this man. He knows that he, too, needs coaching sometimes. And there's been, you know, a situation or two where it's like he'll come to me and, you know, he's, he's always genuine and honest about it. He's like, how'd that go? And it's okay for, we've built a relationship where it's okay for me to say, you know what, Sam? Let, yeah, let's talk about that because that didn't mm-hmm. go so well. And he's super open to it. He doesn't get defensive. His ego doesn't come up and start saying like, wow, I'm Sam Villa. And like, damn it, that, that's how things are going to be. That, that doesn't happen. He's always like, you know what? Thank you so much for being honest. And I think especially when you achieve the level that Sam has, there are very few people in your life that are willing to have those kind of conversations with you, even if you ask for it. Because I know he does. I know he asks other people to say, hey, will you be honest with me on this? How'd that go? Hey, will you be honest with me? Do you think this haircut looks good? And we have a relationship where I can say, I don't love it, Sammy. Let's work on it together. Mm. And man, I just like, I have so much more respect for that than someone like our president that, you know, (laughs) just would, you know, that personality will never apologize. That personality would never accept that they behaved out of line. They would never accept that there is maybe something they could learn from someone else. Sam is the kind of leadership that we need, not only within our industry and within our companies, but like that's the kind of personality that, that sure. would be such an incredible leader for our country, you know? Someone that actually said, you know what? I screwed up. Right. I didn't say this right, and I apologize for that. God, wouldn't that be cool? Mm-hmm. I never thought sitting down with Andrew I'd fall more in love with Sam, but, but it certainly <laughs> right. has happened. Sam right? has my vote. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sam via for president. Sam president. Right. We totally have to get shirts made up. Sam via for president. Yeah. <laughs> We'd sell a billion of them, and then Sam would be like, where's my cut, bro? Yeah. <laughs> where's my cut? Maybe he'll be going on a presidential tour. <laughs> no, right? That's cool. So, Andrew, what's... Uh, What's uh what's what's on your uh, billet here the next uh the, in the short term? Um, well, for the rest of the day, just hanging out at the Sam Viva booth. <laughs> uh, forget about that. What, but, um, what, what's going on in your life, man? What, what's happening? Well, um, another reason that I'll I'll let, let you love Sam even more is he also is the kind of leader that isn't afraid to let people have space, and I'm I'm so thankful for this that I I could I kind of will get emotional because. excuse me last year I made a little bit of a mistake and it it wasn't it wasn't a big mistake but it it I I took a job with Sam that was kind of more of a a a little bit more of like a quote corporate job you know like I I became more of a part of the actual like upper management team you know I'm the director of education but that that's 
you know, I have my education team that I work with, which is two people, Jesse and Anna, <laughs> which I love. And then I work with Sam pretty closely. But for the most part, you know, I'm an artist for him. I'm an, I'm an educator for him. And then I have kind of some leadership position. But last year when we, we had a guy leave that was kind of my go-to person, and I went to Beth, who, Beth Carson, who is um, Beth Carson and... and um, Kurt Gerheim are Sam's business partners that help run the company. I went to Beth and I was like, you know, what do you think about me taking, uh, taking on some of Dan's job? And she's like, well, let's talk about it. I love the idea. She was like, I'm all for it, but I, I want you to understand what this looks like. Like you will now have a clock in, clock out kind of job. I've, I've kind of never had that because even as a hairdresser, I still could say, hey, yeah, like I want to take this vacation. I want to do this. I want to do that. So she helped me to understand what the parameters were. And I said, you know what? I, I want to do this. I want to try. It, it burned me up, man. Like I'm not meant to sit in a room in front of a computer for 40 hours a week. That doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And what I just absolutely love about Sam I love about Beth I love about Kurt and even Tom upstairs our VP of sales when I went to them and said I'm not happy like I was literally starting to have physical repercussions from the level of stress I was taking on when I went to them and said I need to be a teacher (laughs) like I need to be a teacher I need to be a coach I need to be a mentor that's what makes me happy that's how I'm valuable to you guys they were like cool let's figure this out then and so back when I did get kind of burned out on the, the hairdressing industry, one of the other things I did is I started training as a life coach. And so in 2010, I became a, a certified life coach. And then I've, I've, I've had clients on and off throughout the last almost 10 years now. And I, I stopped doing that as well because I was so busy with, with the job. And just to clarify, your client, uh, you've had life coaching clients. Yes. Okay, right. Yeah, life coaching clients. Thank you. And so part of me kind of stepping back away from the, the job that I had taken last year was also me saying to them, I would like to get back in, into my life coaching practice too. And even this summer I went to them and I was like, you know what, I'm actually thinking I really want to get back into my life coaching practice. I don't want to step away from what I'm doing with you guys. So let's set up super realistic expectations. And they were super fine with like, hey, as long as these deliverables are met, your agreements are met with us each month we have your back. In fact, we don't just have your back. Talk about it on our platforms. Cause that was one of the things I was a little scared about. Like, you know, the reason that I have this platform with you guys right now to do this podcast is because of Sam Bia. Right. It, it's not because, I mean, not that I don't play a part, you know, of well, course, yeah. but the reason that I had the path to this platform is because of Sam Bia. So I wanted to be really respectful of that. So I went to him and I said, well, I don't want to, you know, have things cross over and make you guys feel like, hey, he's using this platform that we've built for him mm-hmm. to now kind of advertise himself as this coach. And they were like, what are, you, are you kidding? Yes. Use your relationships that you've built with us. Like, what a better way to spread the word that you're a coach and that you have these abilities. They're like, we love you. We support you. So if you didn't love him enough already, there's even mm-hmm. more reason to love this dude. Um in our entire company period. So long path to where I'm headed next. There's a, a coaching program and um, process called MBIT, 
It's multiple brain integration techniques. And I became certified in it back in 2013 as, a, as an MBIT coach, so I could use this with my, my coaching clients. And what it is is all, the, all these things that we've always said that, oh, my heart's telling me this and, and my gut is telling me this. Well, it's actually true. They, they've proven it now with, you know, MRIs and neuroscience. Yeah, really? You have 200 million neurons firing in the lining of your gut right now. It's, that's the size of a dog's brain. You have, you have a dog's brain in your gut. <laughs> wow. Isn't that cool? That's amazing, man. And, and the heart is, it's hundreds of thousands. I don't remember how many, but it, it's even smaller. But what they're seeing on these MRIs is if, if we ignite certain thought processes within you, it actually originates in your gut or your heart first and then goes to the head. And so things like your sense of activation. So if, if you have someone in an MRI and they're like, think of something that you're super motivated about, that actually fires first down here. And then it goes to the head. And wow. the head says, okay, let's move now. So the head's still like the central operating system, but compassion, oh yeah. You, you feel these things, right? Like you've, you sure. guys have had your heart broken. Yeah. 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 Where do you feel that? Absolutely. You feel it deep in here. It hurts. It's painful. That's not the head telling the heart, hey, you should have some pain right now because you got your heart broken. It's because this is the central operating system for your sense of compassion and love and connection. And so this coaching practice helps to integrate those things. It gets people to recognize that the head isn't the all-powerful that when we're, we're more integrated and we understand that you know, our sense of intuition or our sense of activation or even our sense of caution comes from down here. So we need to check in here when we need that type of information. Or we need to check in here when we need to connect with our compassionate portion of us. Or, mm. okay, I need to get creative. Like that actually is a head-brained operation. But when all of this stuff actually works together, that's when we're kicking major ass, right? So um, I've been doing this as a, as a coach for a while and I've, I really started to kind of put out into just kind of like the ether, the universe, whatever you want to call it, just this kind of thought. I'm ready for something really big. I'm ready for something super awesome to come my way. And so just about a week and a half ago, I got a message back from the person that runs this coaching group. Um, it's really big in New Zealand and Australia. They're based in New Zealand. And they're, they've got pockets in, like, Europe where they're pretty well represented. But the United States, they don't really have many coaches here, and they don't really have many people to train coaches here. Mm -hmm. She's like, we would like to invite you to New Zealand to come become a certified trainer. That's badass. Yeah, so I'm going to New Zealand in November to go become a certified trainer so I can be the one of the, one of the people here in the United States to actually certify other coaches. That is wow. awesome. That man. is, yeah. Yeah. How and long do you get to spend in New Zealand? Um, I'll be there for 11 days total. Um, it's a six-day training, and it, it, you know, going out there, I basically, it takes kind of two and a half days to get there because you're losing a day and right. a half, pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, you know what's really funny? On the flight back, I leave New Zealand on November 11th at 7.25 a.m., 
and I land in Los Angeles at 6.25 a.m. on November 11th. <laughs> <laughs> Closest thing I'll ever experience the time travel, I That's guess. That's pretty cool, man. But I yeah, that. I'm super excited for this. I see huge potential also for like this industry. You know, think about how connected we are to that stuff in this industry. You know, the people that were in the room last night, you know, watching what was happening up on this stage over here, those are the kind of people that would be so connected to something like this. And so I see a huge opportunity bringing this back to the hair industry. Um, But I also see it on a bigger scale too and so many other industries. And and I, I have a huge passion for coaching in general with people so would you be willing to come back on the podcast and talk about that oh yeah i'd love to yeah yeah we're just definitely you're right in my head because yeah. i was thinking the same thing mm-hmm. um i was actually gonna wait until after the podcast and talk to him about it but i, I think it's great <laughs> now i figure we commit him on uh he's like would you like to commit to september 12th at 2 35 p.m <laughs> On record. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Andrew, man. Oh, that's so exciting. I can't, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm excited for you. Me too, man. It, it feels like, you know, I, I yeah, I, you know, coming off of a little bit of a rough streak when things really start to take off for you and you start to feel that, like, fullness come back in and the heart open up and just, like, that excitement. It's, it's proof that we have to have the dark with the light to me because had this opportunity came, you know, three years ago when I was still kind of like, yeah, everything's cool. Life is right. great. You know, everything's perfect. I might not have appreciated it, honestly. Right. But the fact that I had a year last year where I had to kind of re- recalculate like, OK, what am I doing here? You know, I've, I've got to think about things differently. I think coming out of that, you know, I, I don't want to call it a dark period, but you know, a period of hard times, then I feel like this moment feels so epic. Like it feels so huge to me. And even honestly, like that, that panel that I did last night, I just, you know, I went to bed with the biggest smile on my face because that's, that's the kind of stuff that just lights me up. Look, like, most of the people listening to this did not see that panel. How can people go find, uh, listen to watch that panel that you did last night. Thank you. I, I love that you brought that up because they can go to Salon Centric. You click on the Learn tab on the Salon Centric website, and then it's their Pro Beauty Central is where they post a ton of. It's just a great resource anyway because there's tons of free education there. But they can watch the panel from last night on Pro Beauty Central because everybody here at the show uh, today has been talking about that panel yeah, that no were doubt. there. No doubt. What um? So when you go to the learn thing, is it set up by date or or how would they know to find that one? Like if we release this in a month or so, do you know? I'm sorry, I actually don't know. Okay, I'm not sure. So it was, but it's Premier Philly is where we are. So I'm sure it'll be it'll be linked into there. And it was the uh, the salon centric. Um, it takes a pro VIP panel. I, I'm Boom. sure. I, I know for sure that there's a search tab on on the Pro Beauty Central thing. Mm-hmm. I think if you put in uh, salon centric, it takes a pro VIP panel. Philadelphia or something like that, I think you'll find it pretty easy. So how can our listeners uh, keep up with you? Well, um, so from an educational standpoint, if you want to see hair education that I'm a part of, that pretty much all gets put put out through Sam VA Hair. So you can find Sam VA Hair, of course, on Instagram, Facebook, our YouTube channel. We, we publish um, at least one new 
piece of education to our YouTube channel, which is again, just Sambia Hair. We, we publish one new piece every single week. So tons and tons of free educational content. Um, and yeah, so my hairdressing life, I, I feel like appears more through Sambia Hair Instagram than even my own. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I tend to try and keep my personal Instagram more about who I am as a person. And, just, and so you'll see hair stuff come up because, of course, that's part of who I am as a person. But most of the educational stuff will come up on Sambia. But if you want to connect with me personally, that's just andrew.carruthers on Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook page, but honestly, I don't pay very close attention to it. So. I have a Facebook page, but I haven't been on it since 2014. Right, yeah. And so it, right now, the best place to find me is on Instagram. Amazing. Mr. Andrew Carruthers. You're amazing. Thank you so much for making time for us. And, Thanks, um, dude. And, and uh, hopefully it's a good break for you in the middle of your busy day on the floor. I love this kind of stuff. I love. I, I could just sit around on a coffee table and talk with people about cool stuff all day. That's that's just what I enjoy. So I, I can't thank you guys enough, again, for inviting me on. I'm, I'm super honored. Like, I, I never take this stuff for granted. You know, it, it definitely that. just means a lot to me that you would want to have me here and and hear my thoughts so i appreciate uh, it we appreciate you that blows brother. me away because i'm thinking like how do we not want this dude sitting at our table <laughs> right you yeah. know what i mean it's so crazy <laughs> such a weird thought yeah. mr andrew carruthers thank you very very much for joining us on your day thanks guys hey hey so there it is hey this is a message that um we've been trying to bring i don't know for the last couple months actually since we started the podcast hey so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful please 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 leave us a review a five-star review on itunes um leave us a rating and a review but if you don't like it forget about it (laughs) yeah totally forget about this message we also want to thank sarah and blaine from pretty gritty uh sarah and blaine they are a band out of uh, portland oregon and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song pleased to meet you on our podcast um that's cool i think you can find actually you can you can find their music on um on itunes peace and hair grease